you ever felt like you didn't belong somewhere? Um, Emma and I recently went on a trip to a marriage conference, and as part of the trip, we we're supposed to go out on a date, so we chose someplace fancy. And um, when we sat down, they asked me if I wanted water. I said, sure. And so they, I'm used to just tap water. They offered, oh, would you like sparkling, spring, or Madison's Finest? We were in Madison, so they were talking about tap water. But I thought, well, if I have a choice, sure, spring, spring water sounds great. So she comes back with a bottle, like an unopened bottle of water, and opens it and pours in the glass. And I think to myself, uh-oh. Did I just buy like a $6 bottle of water? <laughs> so I'm really not used to that kind of service at a restaurant. Um, and this is the kind of place where, you know, if you go to Cheesecake Factory and get like a $15 entree, like it is a massive plate of food. And here it was like $15 was like this little plate. So not a place I'm really used to being. Did not feel like I belonged. Was not really able to be comfortable. So the, question for, the questions for today are, do you feel like you belong with God? Do you want to or need to belong with him? you think they should, and when you 
don't receive help from someone because you don't want to owe them something. So um, for, for Emma and I, our first anniversary trip, uh, we, we took a trip, we exchanged gifts, and we exchanged a lot of gifts, and we always enjoyed exchanging gifts, but sometimes it was a little challenging. Um, my concept of gifts is something that it's enjoyable, it's exciting, like, wow, I'm so excited to open this, I'll use this all the time. Uh, Emma gave me this water bottle, it's a great example of a gift I use all the time, it's fantastic. Um, so that's what I was expecting. Um, she had put a lot of effort into making a picture book for me of our first year of marriage. So it was very thoughtful of her. Now I, I very much enjoy it, but at the time I was very disappointed that she could just see it on my face. Because that's not, it wasn't exciting. I thought I should have gotten something a little better. Um, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was great. So it was a good good success on my part. So, um, so we, Emma and I have also personally experienced people really being upset at us for trying to help them with things or, or helping them without asking first if it was okay uh, because just that's people's experiences. I don't want you to help me because then I'll owe you something. I don't have anything to give you. Um, and Jesus experienced that too when he tried to wash his disciples' feet. Um, they said, no, like you can't wash our feet. I mean, he had to convince them that that was why he was there. So in these verses, we get a really cool insight into Jesus' heart and God's heart because Jesus you know, fulfills what God course is ready, 
and they all got up and left. Has that ever happened to you? I hope not. That would be horrible. Uh, or maybe you had a wedding and everyone came to the ceremony and it was great. And then you went to the banquet hall and you're waiting and no one showed up. Wow. I can't imagine that happening on my wedding. How hor horribly disappointing that would be. Um, but what would you do with all the food that you had ready? Well, the master, he responds by sending a servant out and saying, go and invite anyone you can find. Go invite people who are not worthy of being here, the blind or poor, crippled. Um, and when there's still room, he instructs them to go and compel more people to come. It's, but God is very much not stingy. He wants to bless. He is generous. Um, and the phrase go and compel, when I learned what that meant, it impacted me a lot. So what does that mean? Does it mean you're supposed to force people to come to the banquet? No, it does not. Um, either these people would not know the master, so they wouldn't trust the invitation, or they wouldn't trust it because they didn't think it was authentic or real. Your average person would not believe such an invitation was real. Hearing that you were invited to go dine with a wealthy person, um, that'd be too good to be true. And maybe if you showed up and actually trusted it, you would look completely out of place. You wouldn't belong, just like me um, at the fancy restaurant. So um, have you guys ever heard of the Nigerian prince scam? Ever heard of that? So uh, what happens was people, is a spam scam emails you get from someone claiming to be a Nigerian prince. And they, boy, you are in luck because they just got this inheritance, but they have all these legal fees that they have to pay first before they can get their inheritance. So if you just sent them a few thousand dollars, once they got their inheritance, you would get hundreds of thousands of dollars from them as a thank you. Doesn't that sound like a great deal? <laughs> well, sadly, people fall for that. But most people think, this is a scam. This is way too good to be true. Why would they share that with me? Or how many random advertisements do you see that you think, that's too good to be true? I've bought plenty of things thinking like, oh, this is going to be amazing, and then it just disappoints because it's pretty cheap. Um, it breaks easily, or it doesn't work the way it's supposed to. Um, we just ignore most of the ads because like that that's, doesn't mean anything. Um, and they're not really looking out for my good. But here's the good news. This is the gospel that we can do nothing to earn an invitation, and yet, God invites us. Let me say that again, because this is my main point. So if you remember anything today, this is it. This is the gospel, that we can do nothing to earn an invitation to the party, and yet God invites us. He knows our hesitancies, he knows our unbelief, he knows why we doubt the invitation, and yet he wants to overcome that so he can bless us at the party. This really impacts me because I struggle to believe that God wants me. Um, I avoid God because I expect to be scolded or judged in his presence, um, resulting in me being cast out. Uh, I don't want him to realize that I don't belong, my failures, so I hide. Don't belong because of my failures. So we, and we often feel like we have this unpaid debt to God, that we worry that if we haven't done enough to pay it off, he'll be really upset with us. He won't, he won't love us. Um, mistakes especially jeopardize what God might think of us. So I often wrestle with that, and God, or and Emma is very gracious to encourage me and speak truth to me, um, that he loves me despite my flaws or failures or things I feel like would keep me from belonging at the party. Um, but passages like this encourage us. We do belong at the party. He wants us there, and he goes to great lengths to prove that to us. Um, I mean, he came down from heaven and humbled himself, living this life on this earth, this very humbling, humiliating existence, living in this space where he could have just stayed up there. And he died on the cross, so he clearly went to great lengths to show us that we belong, that he wants us. And just in the chapter before the one we read, 
he gives us Jesus gives us image of how he longs to gather Jerusalem like a mother hen gathers her chicks. So he longs for us to be with him. But what's true is that only by grace, an invitation we couldn't earn, and because Jesus died in our place to forgive us, that when we show up at the party, we belong. When we fail, it's more proof that we need Jesus and that we can rejoice in this truth of unearned favor. And that's what grace means, unearned favor. Do you feel like this is hard to believe? I do. And what's true is that our, our God's enemy, Satan, he hates grace, and he constantly tries to undermine this and convince us that our failure is proof that we don't belong to the party, and that if we showed up, we'd be rejected. So it's no use trying to be close to God. But it's also helpful to think about what exactly is God inviting us to? He uses the phrase, in the kingdom of heaven. So he's inviting us into his kingdom. It's a space and time in which he rules, and people worship him. Everyone worships him. That means there's no evil, no worrying about evil. It means we get to enjoy everything as they were meant to be enjoyed. No more disappointment and heartache. That sounds like a great place. Um, so there's also a warning in this parable as well. We remember that there are people that didn't go to the party. So if we put other things before God, rejecting him as the best and most important thing, then we will miss the party. The three guests that were asked and each gave those lame answers, um, they each place something is more valuable than God. The Pharisees were trying to earn salvation by their own hard work, and they openly rejected and finally killed Jesus for threatening their system of earning salvation. They couldn't believe that Jesus offered a better way because they had to place trust in him instead of Jesus. Or there's trust trust in him instead of themselves. The point, though, when we talk about Pharisees, all these reasons to put them down and walk away. But um, the point is not just to look down on them, but also examine our own lives and hearts and how we relate to the Pharisees, what, how we're like the Pharisees. So how do you try to earn salvation? Do you feel like your relationship with God is going well when life's going well? And maybe your relationship with God is not going so well when life's not going so well? Um, do you hide your faults and failures from others? Do you refuse help because it would impact how God might view you? We need to turn away from rejecting God's invitation and accept his free invitation and put God above everything else. Okay, so that brings us to two challenges from this parable. So that was a warning. Here's the two challenges. The first is to believe that God is good and gracious and to pursue him above everything else. So God is most satisfying. He throws the best parties. What I just said about what the kingdom will be like, that's a pretty amazing party. <laughs> Um, we can look forward to joining him for a great banquet in the next life that lasts forever, but we can also enjoy him now. The party has already started. We can enjoy the appetizers, as I call them, now in this life. So what are these appetizers? These are the things that give us a taste of what God will be like. And there's three that I want to mention. The first one is creation. And I'll look around. It's a beautiful scene. Um, this is a taste of who God is like, what, what he's made. Um, we can enjoy that and celebrate that. I marvel in that. Uh, same thing if you've ever seen a uh, night sky that's not ruined by light pollution and all the stars. It's just amazing. Uh, gives us a picture of who God's like. So the best first one is creation, is an appetizer. Next one is, is his people. We can enjoy rich relationships with people that encourage us, satisfy us, that strengthen us. Um, they point us to who God is like by seeing how they, how they reflect God's character. We can enjoy relationships. And the last one is his word, the Bible. Um, his word is beautiful, it's satisfying, it's good. Uh, I thought back to when I was preparing this sermon, an experience I had. Uh, I went to a month-long leadership conference. It was on the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. We were looking out at the lake. 
we read a psalm every morning, so I was reading a psalm, and I was just amazed at how beautiful God was. I thought to myself, wow, God, I love you so much. This is amazing. And then later that same day, I felt like God was saying to me, you know how much I love you? I love you way more than that. And so God's word is beautiful. It's satisfying. doesn't mean it's easy. There are oftentimes I read it's not satisfying, but that's one of the ways we can enjoy God. So what excuses do we have for not enjoying God now? Or maybe say, sorry, God, I can't come to your party. I'm too busy working or cleaning or watching TV or uh, being on my phone or whatever it is. Um, think for a moment about what gets in the way for you. I know for me, I'd rather be on my phone watching videos, reading the news, than spending time with God and his creation or uh, reading his word or with people. Uh, do I ever feel satisfied after this? No, usually not, but I keep doing it because I think I will. Uh, and I was thinking too, uh, when Emma and I were asked by Mitch and Katie to come out here and uh, plant a church, that was an invitation from God to join his party in a meaningful way on this earth. We could have said, no, if we're happy with what we're doing here, um, we don't, you know, we have this house or these oxen, not the oxen, but this car. Um, we're, you know, we don't want to do that. But we said yes, and we've, it's been amazing. It's also been hard, but it's been good. Um, so maybe it's, for you, it's a bad habit or shame that keeps you distant from God. Think about what gets in the way for you. So that's the first challenge, to pursue God above everything else. The second one is to play the role of the servant and invite and compel people to come to God's party. So many parables are open-ended, and this one's no exception. It just ends with the servant being asked to go out and compel people to come. Does the banquet show up? We don't know. It doesn't tell us. Um, but the implication, I think, is that those hearing the parable, especially us, Maybe it looks like making good news church. 
the weekly meetings we have and gatherings more of a priority. Maybe it looks like getting more involved in your own church. Maybe it looks like starting a group at your church that practices this. Um, Pastor Mitch or myself would love to help you answer that question. So to bring us back to the home, the beginning questions we ask, do we belong at this party? Do you know if you will be at this party? So this is the gospel, that we can do nothing to earn an invitation, and yet God invites us. He even knows our hesitancies and our unbelief so that he can bless us. But he wants to overcome that, and he did that on the cross so that he can bless us at his party. If we don't accept the invitation and commit to putting God above everything else, we will miss the party. But we can go in confidence knowing that we, if we accept the invitation and commit to following God, however imperfectly we do it, we belong at his party. We can expect him to welcome us with open arms and smiling face. So that's the good news for today. Let's pray for us. Join me in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful day. Thank you for the opportunity we have to gather and to hear from your word that you love us, that you desire to be with us. You desire us to believe that you want us so we can experience your blessing. We thank you for this picture of creation of how beautiful you are. We thank you for the people here that reflect your beauty. We thank you for your word that points to how beautiful you are. We pray for help with this. We need your help. That's the one of the messages of this parable, that we need your help. We can't do this on our own. 